Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Ribbon. And we are back for more Wire in the Blood. That's right. Our beloved Tony Hill gets up to some real drama this week, although it's not entirely his fault. No. Uh, very interesting episode because it's this weird situation where uh, it's, I mean, I, I'm not going to call it contrived, but it's this situation where they uh, have the cases, I mean, I don't want to say contrived, okay? Because now we know that Bradfield is pretty close to York, because Bradfield is a fake city. Like it's a made-up yeah. place. Uh, but it's we know it's close to, you know, up in the York region, because of there's a road going from there to there. And as the episode starts, uh, Carol is in York consulting on something. Okay, well, yeah. Here, here's my, we'll get my initial yeah. comments. Please. My initial comments is that after two really, 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 really stressed and heavy episodes. Yeah. This is actually a light episode. Like, I mean, by the standards of Wire in the Blood. Yes. By the it's standards deeply of disgusting, but at the same time, yeah. It is yeah. by the standards of fire in the blood, fairly, fairly light because it's it's pretty simple. There are bad guys. Uh, the bad guys were tied to uh, they were tied I mean, to horrific I'm, abuse in the past, and that's what I'm getting at. So they're looking into this case. There is this guy who has disappeared, who was on the run because he had molested a bunch of kids in the. Um, I was going to say care home, but it's not a care home. The juvenile hall that he ran. So he's a well, guy. Well, no, he was a school teacher. Yeah, but for but at a juvenile hall, like at a at a place where you know the kids yeah. had to be there because of behavioral issues. He was a school teacher, but it wasn't a prison necessarily. But the kids couldn't leave because the kids having you know a specific lights out time and television time and blah 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 is integral to the yeah. plot. And that's, and, you know, them being bad kids who were forced to meet there is integral to the plot. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to say, no. does it open with Carol or does it open with Tony? It opens with Carol and then we cut to Tony. Okay. Yeah. Because while Carol's there doing this, you know, doing well, okay. these things. We should explain. We should explain um, the horrific murders haven't started yet. Exactly. Okay. And what has happened is that this guy who was a pedophile, mm -hmm. worked a teacher in this particular juvenile juvenile hall, yeah, hall or whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, has disappeared. Exactly. Like he's at his time, and he's out. But he is, to use our thing, under being watched under the sex offender registry, to use the term yeah. we use. And so the fact that he's gone missing means he might be out planning to reoffend. He might be yes. on the run and they need to track him down. And Carol has been brought into consult because of all of the related. It, she's in the area. This might be one of the places he's fled to. And she has, you know, worked on a ton of these cases now, as we've seen on the show. Like, yeah, so plus, she is absolutely plus, someone to bring in for this. Yeah. And they're at a dead end and they bring in her boss as well. Yeah. It's she and her boss that. Mm -hmm. um, the new go, boss. Go up there. You'll remember the new boss we talked about the past two weeks who yes. is and now he's not completely fighting. down on uh, down with Tony and Carol's way they work. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so that's it. And Carol, of course, just goes, you know, as the guy's droning on about all of this stuff and Carol's yeah. just 
eating it as he's speaking, right? Yeah. And and then finally just says, look, don't we have anything new here? Like, you, you just got us here to watch you read a file that we've all already read. Yeah. Like, damn, Carol. Like, you're right. But wow, she is... She is really stepping out there and making moves. It's very well. Impressive she to doesn't watch. like to have her time wasted. She doesn't, uh, right? And then she makes an uh, an assignation with with one of the cops who's yep. involved. She also in this, flirts with bring, one of the cops and is going to bring her the files to her hotel that night. Wink, and cut, wink, wink, wink. And we cut to Tony. And we cut to Tony, who's getting off a plane. Uh, I assume in New York or like about to land in New York. I don't know New York. And uh, he is Vancouver. I don't know why I thought it was Vancouver. Well, no, no. You know why you thought it was Vancouver because the woman he's sitting next to is a Canadian woman who is oh, on her way right. back to Vancouver. But there's that's... no direct Vancouver to Bradfield flight, so of course she would have to go to New York first. Yeah. That just oh. makes sense. Uh, but yes, uh, and uh, he meets a Canadian woman with a terrible act, fake accent. <laughs> Well, yes, but <laughs> no, it's hard. It's it's hard for British people. Talk. No, it's hard for British people to do North American accents. I completely get it, but this one is unusually like not great. Like, yeah. As someone who lists, watches a lot of British television, you know, every now and then you hear them try to do an American accent. You're like, oh, you just can't. You don't have this accent at all. And yeah. that's that's what it's like with her. And again, not a big criticism, just a note. But uh, she is completely uninterested in Tony until she finds out that he's famous. Oh, we forgot to mention the, uh, the most hilarious thing that happens. They actually, in the beginning, when they're cutting back and forth between what he and Carol are up to, uh, they show him trying to get on the plane and him looking for his passport to go to, uh, to fly to America. Right. And, uh, he has to empty out his bag that's in there. And one of the things in the bag is the book he's going to America to promote. Mm-hmm. And so the person at the counter is like, oh, this is your book. You're an author. Congratulations. Uh, and she's like, now I'm going to need to see some ID, Dr. Hill, <laughs> while looking at a book with his picture on it. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. It's a very funny moment. I really like that moment. You know, so you're, you're getting yeah. this, this easy slide exactly. into the case, right? It and is. Tony, of course, blows the this interview. No, no, but it's worth noting that the woman, the minute she fi- he's sitting next to, the minute she finds out he's a published author, she yeah. immediately wants to get in touch and gives him her e- uh, gives him her email address and wants to be in contact. And Tony has no interest whatsoever, and he because it's Tony, obviously, <laughs> but uh, she's clearly very interested. Yeah, so they they end up, you know, that anyway. By the time they get to New York and. Carol's still, you yeah. know. Carol's um, still up in York consulting on this thing that's doing uh, Consulting no on this thing. And then we then we move to the this murder. Yeah. Right? That is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And Carol has already made the assignation with this other cop in York. Yep. And we see him showing up at the hotel and she's gone. Yeah. You because know, she's, she's been to, called away to do a murder. To do a murder back in Bradford. And, and, um, then, and then we cut to Tony doing the, uh, disastrous radio <laughs> interview. Radio. And his, his know. book agent saying, no, you've only got three interviews. You know, it's not a pot boiler. You've written a textbook. Be happy that we've got three interviews. Yeah. And then he just can't do it. Cause, and then the guy says, well, you know, tell in us gift, what makes tell in one sentence. Why do people kill? Give a, you have one sentence to answer. 
And Tony just looks, right? Oh, "Oh God. He goes back. Then Carol, of course, phones Tony and gets him off the hook. And it gives him an excuse to cancel the rest of his appointments. He's like, no, I got a murder to work on. Sorry. Can't stay in America. (laughs) He gets on a flight back. Yeah. Oh, Tony, you're the best. (laughs) We love you, Tony. Uh, But yes, so Tony has no interest in this whatsoever. He was only doing it because he had to, uh, because his publishers insisted on it. And let's face it, uh, it was never going to be a good fit, him trying to promote a book. Like, that was just never going to work. But it's it's a couple of great scenes. Like, it it really is. They really managed to do the comedy well. Like, they can handle the light stuff when they need to, which is something that not every one of these shows can say. No. All right. Uh, but yes, they've had a very strange murder where a woman was unbelievably brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, stabbed, beaten, then put under a uh, an ironing board. And, yeah, and the ironing rod jumped on until she was crushed. And you're like, that is really intricate and bizarre. And so Tony comes in, but notably not sexually assaulted. Yes. Right. And so it goes into, so Tony comes in, he talks about the rage. He talks about how brutal it is, you know, how this obvious, like, either it's someone who hates this woman or absolutely she's being used as a proxy for someone he is unbelievably furious at. Yeah. And a message has been written in blood on the wall, which is kind of freaky. Screw you. Yeah. (laughs) yeah it's uh it's so it's it's a very brutal thing and so they go in and then literally the next day there's another murder but this is where the episode starts getting very strange like in the editing because they they keep cutting back between what tony's up to what carol's up to and then they keep cutting to this uh you know the potential victims being followed in a car and then they keep cutting to this teenage girl or early 20s girl yeah and we're like, what is yeah. the connection here? Yeah, and then, you know, you, you can see that the, the girl is, is definitely in an abusive relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. She's, she's I mean, she brings somebody scared food. all the time. She's always scared. She's locked in her room. She is, I mean, she brings food. She clearly makes food. She brings the food. The guy, we assume it's a man, throws it on the floor. Yep. Don't know who this is. She goes out to work. I'll just, what we're seeing of her life so that you can see she goes to work, she gets out of work. Yeah. And there's somebody there to pick her up. Yeah. And And we get this, uh, there's actually a great scene where just this wonderfully notable scene where uh, she's waiting at a bus stop and the guy comes to pick her up and he's like, what are you doing? You're on the wrong side of the road. You have to take the bus in the other direction to get back to the flat. And he's like, oh, she's desperate to flee. Yeah. I mean, you know she wants out of this. Whatever she's involved in, she wants out as quickly as possible. So, then we go to this old guy. Yep. We switch to this old old guy, and he... um, Answers the door. The one thing we have to mention, though, when he's looking at that first scene, he said there's something familiar about it, but he couldn't figure out what. Yeah, he couldn't figure out what. It's like, why does this... I feel like, you know, this is a crime I've seen before. And Carol, of course, understandably, is like... uh, like, do you think that this is the MO of somebody 
like a known killer, like that the killer has returned or something like that. Cause I've never seen anything like this. And Tony's <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but I'm yeah. pretty sure I've seen this before. Yeah. Just can't figure it out. Then we go to this old guy and he's sitting at home and he's fine. And there's a knock at the door. Yeah. And you're just going, Oh no. The one thing is we don't see. That's the one thing you don't see in any of these murders. Yeah, we don't actually see the murders happen. We just see the aftermath, which is, thank God, given some of the murders. But he's been, again, brutally beaten, stabbed, and wrapped up in a, while weakened, wrapped up in a garbage bag and left propped up on his bed. Like, and again, it's a really dramatic visual, just like the, um, just like the the woman, I was going to say the ironing board thing. Yeah. It's notable in how dramatic a visual it is. And again, a very smart thing by the show to be like, well, yeah, the drama of the visuals is part of the M.O. Yeah. And uh, that's why Tony recognizes it right away, because it's a really memorable image. But he doesn't know why he recognizes it. And so they get a bunch of, um, they get a bunch of clues linking them together because these are completely different styles of murders. And Tony's like, if it's the same person, right? Uh, why are they, why are they doing different types of murders? Yeah. Why are they doing different types of murders? And he can't figure it out. Uh, and then they find out that there's, uh, urine in both scenes. Yeah. And which Carol. Yeah. Refuses. To see the significance of. Well, no, and I mean, she does point something out, which is uh, basically in every burglary and robbery, like the criminal urinates all over the crime scene as a way of insulting the homeowner. So this isn't that significant. And I'm like, and Tony fantastically is like, yeah, but if it were the criminal, he'd be urinating everywhere. This is just a pool on the ground. I'm like, oh, Tony. I'm like, I didn't want to know that, but thank you for telling me that. Yes, well, that's the whole thing about Tony, right? It's, oh, well, you know, TMI. Exactly, right? That is exactly the only reaction you can have with Tony. Oh, very TMI. I know, it's just, it's a very funny, again, it's kind of funny. And so they're like, okay, well, is it the victims? Because they were being attacked. So maybe pool on the ground. And they test. And uh, the woman, by the way, who was murdered was dying of cancer. Yeah. And they said there's no DNA in the there's no dna in the urine and paul and she's like and carol's like why would there be and paul's like well she was suffering from cancer treatments they're absolute and i don't know how paula knows this but they noticed that they let us know that paula knows this that you do you would have there's enough cells being sloughed off you constantly during cancer treatments that there's going to be all sorts of dna in your urine and i didn't even know that so yeah interesting thing we learned this week yeah and and of course, logically, they go after the husband first, yep. although weirdly, yep. a weird thing. But it turns out it was the husband who kind of walked out, and it was the wife that was really angry. And yeah, the husband walked just, out, and he's got a young girlfriend, and he's you know not talking to of, his yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's terrible. terrible. He's terrible. Oh, but, he's a terrible man, but he's easygoing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they get, they're nice enough. He and his girlfriend both get offer their DNA and they are not the people whose blood was used on the wall. So it's like, they can't, they, they're kind of forced to dismiss this guy. They don't like him, but they don't have anything and they have no reason to suspect it's him. So they're, so they're kind of stuck. Yeah. And then, then Tony is trying, but Tony is stuck too, because oh, yeah. you've got these murders and they don't make any sense. And in the meantime, 
this girl that he's met on the plane has oh. come back to England. I know. <laughs> and oh. announced and oh. announced that she's like, well, you told me to drop by whenever you're in town. And he's like, and here's your number. And gave me your number. And he's like, I absolutely did not do that. I didn't give you my number. And I didn't tell you I wanted to see you again. Neither of those things are true. Well, he didn't say it that bluntly. Well, no, obviously he didn't no, say it that bluntly. But he's, I no, yeah. no, I don't no, he's very I careful. Remember. How did you get my number? And she yeah. called, you know, she's even called at the police station. Yep. Looking for um, him. Looking for him. And it's... um. You know, so Carol says something and it, anyway, but it goes on and Tony kind of just dismisses it. Yep. And then he, um, you know, he looks at the, he, but he's still trying to figure out these murders. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's so focused on the That's murders. He can't worry about this thing right now. Like yeah, whatever's going on with this lady, I cannot think about it right now. I've got these murders to focus on. Yeah. And he's, and he's trying to think he, he figures out, okay, there's got to be. A dominant and a subordinate. Yeah. He can, oh, and, and the key point is, uh, because they've identified that the urine didn't come from the victims, they know it came from. And as he said, if you're peeing yourself out of fear, you're not the guy committing the crimes. And so they're like, is it a multiple personality? He's like, I don't think so. I think that there are two people there. Yeah. I think that there is someone committing these murders, and I think there is someone there watching him commit the murders. And that is the key part of the, um, and that is a key part of the profile that it's like that the villain, the has to be like viewed committing his crimes, that the crimes are a performance to, we will later find out, reassure his masculinity. Yeah. Well, you know, Tony comes, comes up and they're trying to figure out. Yeah. What, 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 what's causing this. And he's, and he comes up, well, it could be a male, female. Yep. It could be eventually he gets to two men. Well, they get to two men partially because there's always traces of estrogen in urine, in women's urine. So he's like, oh, it has to be two men. Yeah. And so. he says that there must be, um, he, and he's like, with this kind of massive rage, you'd normally see a sexual assault as well. And if this guy is, uh, if this, if there is a latent homosexuality in this guy that he is trying to cope with and trying to pretend isn't there as part of the violence, that would explain why he's not sexually acting out on the female victim. Yeah, or is, the male is his, Yeah. Not, uh, none of the victims. And then we get a third victim. And then we get a third victim, which is a 15-year-old kid who's out practicing skateboard tricks and yeah. is horrifically cut apart and brutalized. Yeah. And the it's, body is dumped. It is... It is rough. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a horrible scene to watch. That is... Yeah, and again, we don't actually see it happen. We just see the abduction and the aftermath, but oof. Oh, it it's just terrible. And then, you know, and it's and, really hard to... And it to makes know. us all the more frigging confused because we've seen this guy, like, uh, we've seen this girl trying to get away from somebody. We've seen a guy ensuring that he, she stays captured. But yeah. we know that there's another guy running around because we know it's not a ma- male-female team of serial killers. Like, the DNA says this isn't a male-female team. So there's another character running around that we haven't been introduced to yet. And that is significant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in the meantime, this the, this girl is sending herself flowers. Yep. Oh, the yes, Tony's Tony Stalker. 
Yeah, Tony Stalker is sending him flowers. Sends herself flowers, a giant wow. bouquet of flowers, and then calls Tony to thank him for sending her the flowers. Because and she knows he can't talk about their, their emotional relationship. Oh, and this is a really good way to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. And Tony immediately, as he's talking to her, goes and picks a book out of his shelf. Yep. Right? And it's a whole book on... A particular, I can't remember the name. Whatever the kind of obsessive disorder yeah. is. Yeah. It's an obsessive disorder, right? Because this woman is going on and on. Yeah. Right? And then, um, so he's picked it out. And, and he's then, like, so he realizes exactly what's going on here right away. Sort of, but he's still ignoring it because he's got he's something got more important murder. to work on. Yep. Yeah. He's got the murder. And then one day. Then and then, by the way, uh, Carol, of course, does not like. Uh, he hears that Tony's wife, a woman referring to as Tony's wife, has called the station. And she's like, what the hell is this, Tony? And he tries to explain that he's got a stalker. Mm -hmm. And Carol has no interest in listening to him. Because Carol is very frustrating and sensitive sometimes. Carol is always... A lot of the time. I wouldn't You're even right. say sometimes. You're right. I it's, say. it's one of the defining characteristics of her personality. Yeah. Is oversensitive and she jumps to conclusions and she doesn't want to hear other people's opinions. Yeah. And she doesn't want to hear explanations. She, she knows exactly what's going on and that's that. Well, and that's why, again, it's stuff they covered back in the first season is yeah. both of them are way too dominant personalities to ever work together. Mm -hmm. Like, they can't work as a couple. They're both extremely dominating personalities. Yeah. You know, to the point where, like, Tony's a little better at hearing that he's wrong, but only a little. You know? Yeah. He's not a lot better at hearing that he's wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of a funny thing, because you've got this, like, it's rare to see a relationship on television uh, with a quote-unquote will-they-won't-they, where they are two so massively incompatible people. That you're just going, hopefully oh, this they'll never get back This together. would be a disaster if they got together. <laughs> yeah. This would not be good for either of them. So yeah, it's, uh, again, not a usual thing to see in this kind of TV relationship, which is one of the things I find so interesting about the show. And had Carol not left at the end of this season, I'd be interested to see where it had gone. But well, uh, you know read what? The read the book, right? Well, yeah, yeah but they're such it. different characters. I mean, they're not completely different characters. But yeah, I will read the books and see what they do with the characters. Uh, I'm very curious now that I know that she's kept writing these books. And yeah. like a new Tony Hill, Carol Jordan book came out two years ago. Oh. Like she hasn't slowed down at all since the show uh, went off the air in 2006. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, so. so we've got another murder. And so they call the um, they call some of the people from York down to consult. Well, because there seems to be some kind of a connection. Now they're wondering, because back in York, they yeah. have found the guy dead. Exactly. They find the guy's dead body, and they find out that he died two months ago. Yes. So the minute he disappeared, he was already dead. He's dead. And, and Tony points out that, like, this is the, like, the kind of abuse this guy was doing to kids is the exact thing that could create monsters. Yeah. Right. So they're they're going to have those guys come down and help talk about it because they're the guys who worked on the original case. Meanwhile, Tony, uh, it finally occurs to him why these now that he's seen the third thing, why they're all so familiar. And he runs into a video shop. 
and he starts describing the murders to the well, guy. He, he's, yeah. he's in, he's talking. Okay. What you're missing is no, no, I have missed the fact that the that. girl has called him, this Canadian stalker has yeah. called him and, and. Oh, yes, told, yes, of course. Because he's missed lunch. Yeah, he missed lunch with her and says that it's because he was hanging out with Carol and she he and, then, ha- and she has to do something about Carol. And this is, yeah. you know, and all uh, of this sudden, woman is trying to come between us. And he's like, oh, I just realized how serious this was. And they, he goes to Carol's place and it's trashed. Yeah, and Carol she's completely trashed the place. Yeah, and, and as Tony said, thank God she didn't kill your cat. Yeah, because that is the kind of thing they would do. Absolutely. They would do. He said she's got this disorder. Yeah. And then, and so then they go out, out of the apartment and they go into a video store and then Tony sees this poster on the wall. Yeah. And it looks familiar. And then he asks the clerk and the clerk says, Oh yeah, it was on TV a couple of months ago. Yeah. Hey, well, but he specifically asks him about a murder from the film. No, yeah, no, he asks, was that the film where, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's like, what? this guy was involved in the crime. And this guy was involved in the crime. And it's like, what crime? It's like, down a guy on a beach, uh, this guy committed the crime. And he was like, it was a guy and he was on the beach and he shot somebody in the head, right? Yeah. And he's like, and the body ended up in the water. He's like, yeah, no, that's the movie. And he t- says what movie it is. Cause that's what happened to the, um, that's what happened to the, the pedophile. Yeah. He was taken and, down to the beach and shot in the head and, you know, um, and, sent off. Yeah. And then Tony and starts asking. stones thrown at him. Starts asking him about other. Uh, the other, other crimes. Scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And we realize they're all pulled from movies. And the guy's like, yeah, that was just on the TV the other night. And it was on TV the same night the murder that was like that happened. Yeah. And, and that's the uh, key part. And so what happens then, right? Because, you know, the big, that Carol's boss decides he's going to make an appeal on TV because they figured out. Yep. Oh. Tony says, okay, what time is this on? Yeah. Nine o'clock. All the movies are at nine o'clock. So they all sit there. We know they're watching TV at nine o'clock. And the boss is like, let's make an appeal on television. And Tony says, making an appeal on television is only going to have one effect. It's going to, it's not going to bother the, uh, it's not going to bother the dominant. dominant. He doesn't care. He likes the attention. It's going to freak out the submissive. And the only thing that happens when you make a submissive more nervous is he's going to try to back out and the dominant's going to kill him. So yes. all you're going to do is get this guy killed. And so Carol believes Tony and says, you can make the, you can make the announcement on TV if you want, but I got, I'm having no part of it. You go on TV and do it. Yeah. And it's, it's what's interesting about all of that too, is that, you know, um, it's, they've figured out, okay, so, oh no, that's it. No, no, they haven't figured out the nine, the importance of nine o'clock yet. So it hasn't happened. We've met because Oh no, they have. They figure he figured out the nine, the nine o'clock was the connected. Oh, that's to, right. It was the movies yeah, were all at the nine the movies were always at nine o'clock, and nine o'clock was lockdown. Yeah. At the uh, lockdown when lockdown started at the Borstal, uh, yeah. the you know the place the yeah, school for bad boys. Know. Yeah. No, they but still, they're assuming yeah. that they're connected to it because the 
the pedophile was killed. They're assuming a connection. They just don't know who the guys are. And they're like, nine o'clock was when lockdown was. And this is key because as Tony says, so nine o'clock is when you start sitting there alone in the dark, fantasizing about things. No, they sit watching. Yeah. No, no, no. When you sit at the Borstal, there was no TV. They were sitting in the dark having fantasies. And so now what they do is they sit there at nine o'clock at night and they watch a movie and that becomes their fantasy and they go and recreate it. They look, uh, they look for something to recreate on TV at nine, the way they s- used to sit in the dark at nine and talk about their fantasies of killing that guy, killing yeah. the guy who was molesting them. And so, yeah, like that's, that's the connection. It's nine o'clock both times. It has become a ritual for them. Yeah. And meanwhile, so- the girl steals something from her work and gets fired and tries to tell her boss why she stole the thing from work. But no, the boss she wants her boss. To Look, call the police, she yes. She tells her boss she's stolen something. She yes. wants her boss to call the That's, police. I'm in the middle of saying that when you interrupt me. She's trying to say, call the police and explain why. And the boss doesn't want to hear it and just says, I don't want to see you anymore. And she leaves. And so we know that she's trying to reach out and get police attention. But she needs it to be like she know she knows that if she calls the police, she's turned on somebody and she fra- is afraid what's going to happen if she turns on them. But if she gets someone else to call the police on her, well, then it's not her fault. Yeah. And, and she hasn't actually turned on anybody. And she will be able to tell the police and they will keep her in custody. Exactly. And they will know who the guys are and they will go and arrest them. Yeah. That's her plan. And that is yeah. a very good plan. Except her boss uh, does not arrest, does not send her to be arrested and sends her home. And where she finds out, uh, because, and this is, we see the guy, we see the next murder right after the, this is all the same day as the, um, the, the nine o'clock plea, right? This is the nine o'clock plea, but after the nine o'clock plea, they, yes, uh, they go out and they just murder somebody again. But this time, because he saw the nine o'clock plea, just as Tony predicted, the submissive in the relationship freaks out. And doesn't want to do it anymore. And so we immediately cut to the next day where now they've found both the victim in the car and another guy lying dead on the ground, stabbed to death. And Tony's like, well, there's your submissive, just like I said. Yeah. Yeah, And it's it's a rough moment. They find out who he is. And so they find out that he was, in fact, at the, uh, they find out that he was, in fact, at the place and was one of the victims of this guy. Just as they. In the meantime. The store owner phones the the police police and says, well, I don't know if this is really serious, but she seemed to be so insistent that I call the police. I thought maybe I should call you. Yeah, I'm regretting (laughs) my decision yesterday to do this. And what's interesting is they go and they think they're going to be able to find him and his buddy because he figures they probably even live together. Uh, And but they find a the best ID they have on the the dead guy. Right. The submissive is a video store card, but he used a fake address. So it's not actually a lead to where he lives. So they actually, they are essentially rescued and managed to, right. Uh, and managed to save the day because this girl got her boss to call the cops on her. So yeah, that ends up being the thing that cracks the case. Yes. Because the guy, the, the dominant comes back. Pulls in the girl. Yep. And says, and now you're Tony. taking. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and that's what Tony says. And he's actually got a, um, uh, something he had taped. So they were going to watch that and do it. Yep. 
And so they start and then the girl. But there's a great moment before that, which I thought was really nice because Paula goes to investigate yeah. and you're like, oh my God, is, is Paula good? Like, is Paula in danger? Is she going to run into these? No, Paula's fine. They're already gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank heavens. Uh, but yeah, Paula talks to the neighbors and says, yeah, there's three people living there. And, uh, you know, she hears screaming and yelling and throwing things. So they're like, yeah, this is, this is the place. These are the people they're looking for. That's why she wanted. So they search the place. They find pictures of the guy. They're able to identify. And then they find his wallet. And then they find out that the submissive got out of jail first. Right, mm -hmm. got out of the the thing first, and the other guy got out second, and he got out of jail two days before the pedophile disappeared. So obviously, yeah. like the minute he got out of jail, his priority was killing this guy. Mm -hmm. It's the f absolute first thing he did. So they're like, "Yep, these are the guys," and so they've kidnapped. A w and then while they're walking out, uh, sorry, no, while they're while. Uh, they're walking in, they get a call that a woman has been abducted at knife point in the middle of a crowd. Right? Uh, so it's like just, sorry, in the middle of the street, everybody saw this happen. They're not even, it is, to use the... Uh, they're decompensating. <laughs> decompensating, to use, the, to use the criminal <laughs> minds term. I mean, this is the most criminal minds episode in that way, because we've got a bunch of victims all in a row, and we've got a spree killer. Like, it is very criminal minds, this episode. But yeah, yeah. they're um, they're decompensating, right? That's and okay. they're just abducting people in public in broad daylight. And so they, as you say, he's taped a movie that he wants to recreate. And so they put it on, and it's a woman being tortured in the woods. It is a woman being tortured in the woods. And so they're like, okay, well, this is what they're going to try to do. You know, where are their woods nearby? And, and what's interesting, though, is that, of course, she wants out the girl. And yeah. So he makes sure that she uh, ties the girl up and, yeah. and this woman up. And then the girl says, apologizes to her. She yep. says, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this. And mm -hmm. then, luckily... luckily there's a ritual like this guy is stuck on doing everything the way it's done in, in the, the movie. movie. And in the movie, the guy had a campfire and he superheated these knives, this machete and yeah. this knife, before torturing somebody with them. He's like, well, we've got to do all the parts of this. We have to sterilize the knives now, so turn on the fire. Yeah. Right? So she takes her time turning Building on a fire. fire. Yeah. It's like and she says as much as possible. Meanwhile, they're like, well, logically, there's a forest between here and the York region where they're all from. Yeah. Logically, that's going to be the most likely place. And Carol but says, no, like they get this. That, well, what happens is, is that they're driving, looking for a forested place. Yeah. And then a couple of rangers call and say there's something They saw a car. On. Yeah, they saw a car. And they saw people the, in the car. Woods. And Carol's going, no, that's too far away. They can't be that far away. Tony says, no. It makes girl, perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And and these guys have dogs. Yes, they have dogs. And Tony says, she's trying to get out. We have to give her some excuse. Yep. Some way of getting out. And what I love is they talk about how, like, because uh, yeah. they open up the possibility of, like, waiting until they're there and trying to talk to them. And he's like, no, it's not going to do any good. He is no. he is in the middle of decomposition. He'll he'll kill the victim and he'll kill her partner. And he may or may not kill herself if he sees anybody. What we have to do is find a way to contact her and, and get her to turn on him. him. Distract him. Get her to turn on him. 
because uh, yeah, she dogs. obviously desperately wants out. And he's like, the dogs are a perfect opportunity to do this. Yeah. So they send the dogs in. This throws him. She's, of course, got the knives because she's she's because he wants her, and knives. he wants her to start doing the cutting to prove that she's on board. And yeah. so the minute he's distracted, she stabs him in the stomach and runs off. Yeah. Or like, oh, thank God. Yeah. She got away. The woman that they is had fine. Kidnapped she, they is didn't fine. even start torturing her yet. No, she was just tied to a tree. So they're, they're both fine. And we get the oh. moment where she, the, the a quote unquote accomplice, his, his abused girlfriend is like, all she wants to know is, is he dead? Yeah. Cause she's like, that's the only way I'm going to be free of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's good. It's a good ending. No, it's a really good ending. And as Tony says, now she's going to have to learn to live with this for the rest of her life. The difficult, the difficult job of learning how to live without abuse. Yep. It's what Tony calls it. Which is, you know, damn, Tony, but that feels true. Yeah. Because it's like, well, no, but when you're an abuse victim, especially in this way, every part of your life is controlled. Yeah. And you ask why, uh, you ask why abusers so often go abuse victims often seek out the same kind of relationship. It's because they don't know how to take control of their own lives because they've conditioned to not be in control of their own lives. Yeah. So they look for, I mean, and I think ideally they would like to find a more healthy version of that kind of relationship where they're being controlled, but they can wind up seeking that same control. Yeah. And the problem is, if you're looking for someone who's controlling you that severely, you're looking for an abuser. Yeah. Because healthy relationships don't involve that level of control. As so, yes, it's, it's ble- it is a little bleak, but at least she gets out of it and she saves the woman, too. So yeah. there is a massive upside at the end of this episode. Except that, of course, we then have that, that denouement. Well, Tony and Carol talk and... You know, well, you know, Tony, I don't know. They, they oh, do um, worth noting, because uh, unless you think that, like, uh, Carol's relationships are fine or anything's good is ever going to come yeah. for them, we do <laughs> also find out that the guy she slept with in uh, York was no, married. No, she was going to. Well, but either way, it doesn't matter if she actually slept with him yet or yes, not. Yes, it does. She didn't because... No, but she didn't right. because she had a case, not because yeah. she chose not to. No. The The point is, he was also married. So, yes. yes. And so then he wants to explain it to her and she goes, she just looks at him. <laughs> you know, like, how yeah. do you want your mind? Yeah, you know, I don't care. I got enough mess in my life yeah. without... Like sex with a married man. Well, yeah, but what it comes down to is you don't have to explain to me. I don't have an emotional connection with you. I'm the kind of person who has sex with a stranger every time I'm on the road. That's just what I do because I need the boost of feeling attractive while I'm on the road for my ego. I am the same person as Derek Morgan. Yeah. Because that's I'm something the they didn't version. I'm the female yeah. version of Derek Morgan. Because yeah. again, that's something they didn't like. That's there in the first two seasons of Derek Morgan. Uh, it's a big part of his character that he's doing that, that he's always trying to hook up whenever he's on the road with a woman he meets in the hotel or one of the cops he runs into is working with. And like, we never suggest that he stopped doing that. They just stopped focusing in it on it after the first two years of the show. And as we talked about when we were doing our exhaustive breakdown of criminal minds, it's very interesting because that kind of behavior exactly maps on the abused, the sexually abused child. 
like yeah. this kid who was molested by a man when he was a child, constantly having to reaffirm his masculinity. And we can dig into why Carol behaves this way, but it's weird that Carol is in many ways the female Derek Morgan. Yeah, well, I mean, the way she treats the men in her lives. Yeah. You know, her, her it's, life. You it's know, the really men, similar. And eerily similar. And as I said, go to the books. Yeah, go to the books and we'll get more about that. But yeah. you're saying this kind of behavior is accurate to the books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol's, uh, anyway, it's, it's um, but you get... As I said, what the books do is dig into their past. Yeah. And you find out because it's interesting that there's the moment in there where Carol's like, uh, to Tony, you know, it's like, you couldn't ever love, like, have you ever loved anybody other than your parents? And Tony gives her this look. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> why do you assume I loved my parents? Yeah. He doesn't say it, but the look makes it 100% obvious. Oh, yes. He's like, he's actually, but I just love that, like, the again, the amazing job that Robson Green does of saying with just this tiny expression, it's like, why on earth would you assume I loved my parents? Have you ever heard me talk about my parents? Can you ever, like, it's like, can you really be this naive Carol that you think I would love my parents? Damn, Tony. It's, it's like. It is such a brutal look to include, but it says so much about who he is as a person and how he ended up this way. And we get those. And I guess what I find interesting in the show is we get a ton of those moments from Tony in the show of like these hints about his horrible childhood. But in the show, and I'm glad they're in the books and I'm looking forward to it in the books. We don't get any of those to explain how Carol is the way she is. Yeah, exactly. And, And it's really weird that we don't. But, and again, it's something they might have explored going further. And I wonder, is there stuff about Tony's life, like childhood and parents in the early books, but the stuff about Carol doesn't come into the later books. And so, like, it didn't occur to the writers of the TV show to just start inventing stuff about Carol. Well, yeah, you have, I mean, she's an alcoholic. I mean, all, you, well, no, you we know she's an alcoholic. We know she, she's an alcoholic. She's she very has. deeply uncomfortable with, she's completely closed off. Any relationship where someone could actually get to know her, she's immediately checked out of. Yeah. You, you know? know, which is why it was such a shock to her that she actually was sad that she wasn't pregnant. Yep. But she, if she had found out she was pregnant, she would have had the abortion. Oh, of course. That That's what's so bizarre about it. Yeah. But it's a, we talked about it already last, last week. week. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just a control issue for Carol. Everything is a control issue for Carol. Yeah. And it's like, and, we've gotten glimpses and it is for Tony too. And we've gotten glimpses of that in stories and little hints like this about his childhood, but we've, you know, never get the history of Carol on the show. Well, no, she doesn't stick around long enough. And yeah. that's all. Which is too is bad. It, it's too bad. Cause I think that would have been a very interesting thing for them to explore. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's um. Anyway, we won't we won't go into that until after all of this is after. Oh, you're right. All right, so let's get to the fu- the key final scene. So so then he, Tony goes home, right? And there's and someone who's made a dinner kitchen. for him. So he thinks it's Carol, right? Which, by the way, have you met Carol Jordan? She only eats takeout. We cover <laughs> this. She <laughs> does not cook. Already. Carol would never cook for anyone, let alone herself. Yeah. No, she's not she has a very food. nice. She has a very nice kitchen, so the men in her life can make her meals. Exactly. You know, 
Um, Although, as we saw when that happened, she was a little uncomfortable with it and yeah. broke up with the guy right afterwards. <laughs> I know. It's like, okay, no. No, too, too domestic. domestic. Too domestic. Yeah. This is too. This is too close to an actual relationship. No, 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 no. Bye bye. Later. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, and there's there's the woman because uh, yep. she's of course convinced herself by now that she's his wife. Yep. And she's bought him a tie, a really nice new tie, and yeah. she's made this entire dinner. So oh. Tony goes and says he has to. He makes a phone Let call. Let's make a phone call. And he calls. He calls one of his his behavioral uh, his buddy. In the behavioral therapy. Yeah. And he's like, there's somebody that I would absolutely love you to meet. Could you call me back in half an hour? You'll just love to meet this woman. Call yeah. me back in half an hour. And he's so good because, <laughs> again, he knows that if, again, and it's perfect profiling on his yeah. part, he knows that if anything happened to break this woman's, um, right, uh, fantasy. fantasy, she will become violent. Yeah. Immediately. Look at what she did to Carol's apartment. Exactly. Exactly. If anything gets in the way of the fantasy, she'll become violent. So his only move is to play along as good as he can until he can get medical intervention for her. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, right, of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keith Olbermann is back. Yes. Okay. Well, Keith Olbermann is back. And he always tells, um, he tells this story about, uh, delusional stalkers. Because yeah. he briefly had a stalker. And so the, the, he had a bodyguard and he had a security specialist from NBC come and explain. Oh, no, Fox. It was when he was on Fox, uh, Fox Sports or whatever. But anyway, they came and they explained it to him, right? Explained, you know, stalking. And they, uh, they talked about this celebrity who had a stalker. And the stalker, like, was unbelievably, and like the stalker, ha how do we put this? Um, uh, was so deep in her delusion. Right. That she would never do it. Like she would go to wherever, like she would talk about the relationship and do it in very careful ways. And like, if the person was going to Miami, you know, in Miami, uh, she would like fly to Miami for a weekend after her job and say, I just spent the weekend in Miami with person X, you know, uh, Keith Olber never says who celebrity was cause he's, you know, a classy dude. Uh, <laughs> Right. I would, I, so she would be able to say I was in Miami with blank that week because she literally was in Miami at the same time as her. Right. And so she has this whole thing built up. And one time she stayed at the same hotel as the guy and followed him walking down the street. And so she had never attempted to talk to him. She had never sent him a letter. It was entirely within her own mind. And the guy realized he had forgotten something at a hotel at the hotel and he turned around cause she's falling a block behind and he walks back to his hotel to get the thing. And so now she's left with this dilemma because in her head, they are in a relationship and it's one where he never talks to her and never, you know, does anything, but he knows, she knows they're in a relationship. But now if he is, if he passes her on the street and doesn't acknowledge or recognize her, then it's a delusion she's having. So, but, and if she runs away from him to keep that from happening, it's a delusion she's happening. So what did she do? She, Shut as he walked up, well, no, she didn't have a gun. Thank God. Or you would have known this story. Yeah. As he walked up, she slapped him in the face and ran off crying. And then she was able to go home and said, we had a fight in Chicago last weekend and we've broken up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but to this man, to this celebrity, a complete stranger, while he was walking down the street, slapped him in the face and he had no idea why. And it wasn't until the security people looked into it, investigated, that they found the whole story and she got some help. But it's the same kind of thing. These delusions are so complete that if you get pulled out of it, you will become violent to protect your own ego. Yeah, and the, and the problem is, and I mean, we've seen that we've seen a number of murders. Yep. I mean, oh there's no, guy absolutely with with what what was the woman's name? Not Rebecca, Rachel. Some, no, no, Rebecca Schaefer. Rebecca Schaefer. Yeah, Rebecca Schaefer. Yeah, he came all the way. He quit his job. He left England. Yeah, everything because yeah. of his relationship with because her. of this relationship he believed he had, and when it was rejected, what did he do? He he killed her. He killed her. Like because it. It's and it's the same kind of thing, but yeah, like it's ooh, it's terror, and this kind of stalking is that bad. And spoiler alert: it doesn't just happen to celebrities. People, stalking's a real problem. Yeah, well, yes, and it, it's but it's a hard one. In fact, it's, the next episode deals with a stalker. No, the next episode oh, deals the with sniper. a sniper. That's right. <laughs> the two things that are the hardest to uh, to find, yeah, are stalkers to find and, and deal with. Yeah, and deal with. In because terms, a stalker um, could be anyone in your life, and a sniper has no connection to their victims. Yeah. Like, the, it's very fascinating. Like, anyone, you never know what is going to set off a stalker. And in the same way, like, look at what happens to Tony this week. The stalker is set off by the fact that his picture is on a book. Yeah. You know, she's talking to a real live famous person, and that's all it takes. Because she wants her life, she has never had this close a connection to an important person, and she wants her life to be notable. So she meets a famous person. I mean, famous in air quotes. It's Tony Hill, but yeah. famous person. And she's like, she immediately makes uh, herself a part of his story. Well, and I'm sure that he was nice and talked with her oh, throughout yeah, the, the flight. Whole, absolutely. The whole flight, right? So, yeah. of course. She decided they had a relationship. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Tony, I'm sure, is relatively easy to flatter by like just F someone finally showing an interest in his book and listening to his stories. So, yeah, sure. absolutely. Absolutely, Tony. And he would have no idea. Like he, he had no conception that this was triggering this kind of episode. Well, you wouldn't. Why would you? And that's the thing. Why would you? I mean, so, yeah, most people very, are fine. Yeah, most but... people are fine. Most It's fine to get in a conversation with someone about your job on a plane. There's no reason to suspect that that person, you are going to become the focus of that person's erotomania, which is the old term for stalking. But in case you ever hear someone say erotomania, it's uh, yeah. erotic fixation. And that's what they used to call stalking. Yeah, uh, it, it's. um Yeah. And uh, he yeah. uses he uses the technical term for it in this episode. That's the book he grabs. Uh, and he says it to Carol. But, you know, and Carol's not paying attention. Yeah, well, no. And besides, if you I mean, I don't even recognize that. Yeah, it's an obscure right. term. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I didn't remember it either. Like, I didn't recognize it's the term. title of a book. It's the yeah, it's in the <laughs> title of the book. The guy he takes off the shelf. But yeah. So really good episode. Very thrilling. You know, it's like at. It is weird that it is, like, the closest to a Criminal Minds episode we've ever gotten on the show. Well, as I said, it, at the be very beginning, you know, it just doesn't have the, that emotional resonance. No, it doesn't. At all, for a whole bunch of reasons. Because, Well, no, because at the core of it, it's a very simple... Yeah. It's a very simple case, and it's not tied into, you know, Carol and Tony, and there's the, there's there really is the most simple thing in the world. This guy was horribly abused, and... 
he, the only way to take his power back from the, all the sexual abuse he received is to do violence on other people. And he, st and this is something that we talk about with a lot of, uh, people who they, um, they will either start with the person they're angry at or work up to the person they're angry at, and they'll actually kill the person they're angry at and they won't feel any relief. Nope. And so they'll keep doing it. Yeah. Because now it's just what they do because they only get this temporary relief. And again, the only version of this that had a happy ending, and it's uh, horrible to call it a happy ending, is Ed Kemper, who finally killed his mother yeah. and realized, oh, F, I'm still broken. This wasn't yeah. my, mo like, this, this wasn't a thing created. This problem. isn't going to solve my problems. This isn't my mother. Like my mother isn't the cause of my problems. I'm broken. I'm just going to take myself off the board. And some serial killers kill themselves when they realize, you know, they're going to be caught. Some of them, I assume, are killing themselves when they realize they're never going to get better. And Ed Kemper, and this is why he's so unique, just turned himself into the cops. Yeah. Just say, come and get me. Didn't believe him. <laughs> and the cops didn't believe him because he was a, he was like a lot of serial killers. He was a police groupie. And he thought, ah, oh, that's very funny, Ed. He's like, and no, he's a nice guy. He's a and nice he guy. A nice Everybody guy. likes him. Yeah. Uh, Everybody likes big Ed. Yeah, uh, and he was like, no, it's, it's me. Come and get me. And it was him. And they came and got him. And he placidly sat in uh, jail for like, I mean, I think he's still in jail today. I don't, is he dead now? Did he I finally die? I have to check and I'm not going to yeah. bother. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, and it was apparently perfectly nice in prison, as John Douglas always talks about. And he's like, in my entire life, I've only felt like I was friends with one of these people. And it's Ed Kemper because there's nothing wrong with him. Like that whole scene in Mindhunter where he like goes out of his way to spook uh, the fake the Don Douglas character. That didn't happen. No, that didn't happen to John Douglas. Yeah. It did happen, though, to the other guy. It did happen to the other guy, yeah. Yeah, it did happen to the other guy. Yeah. And he writes about it. Uh, uh. What happened with, and they've conflated the two. What happened with Ed Kemper is at one point, uh, Ed Kemper just made a comment about how, look, it's shift change and you're not even scared to be in here with me. And John Douglas was like, he's right. He could have killed me at any moment. But... He wasn't obviously trying to freak him out, but the other guy actually had a moment of, oh, I'm in a dangerous situation. Yeah, now, who is it? It's the, the guy that starts with R. Wrestler. Yeah, Wrestler. Robert Wrestler. Robert Wrestler. I'm just looking. Yeah. I'm on my bookshelves. So I don't know whether that will come in. Well, I'll check it when you... No, but it's like, so it, the killer yeah. this week, it's a very basic thing. There was this guy. He was horribly abused. He pulled people, as they say in the episode, he pulled people into his folie a deux. And mm -hmm. the, it's weird how... But the, the other guy was, was abused as well. Oh, no, they were both abused, and that's how he was yeah. able to pull him in. And uh, with the girlfriend, he's the one who did the abusing. He created a new abuse victim. And they actually talk about in the episode, we did mention this, and that's one thing psychologically interesting, how there's no way, like, um, the other guy who's abused both by the pedophile and the thing, and he would have been abused in the prison by the killer now, because, as he says, in this environment, whenever the older kids will also abuse the younger kids to try and take their power back. Yeah. So he had a an accomplice ready to go the minute he went uh, got out, because he had already been abusing this guy. And getting this guy in line when they were both in jail together, right? In the in the home together. 
So yeah, it's it's very interesting. And one thing they don't talk about that I find very interesting that is is that the guy needs to have an audience for his crimes. Yes, for whatever reason. Well, and I think it goes back to um I'm pretty sure that the killer, the sorry, the child molester I would say that in all likelihood the the subtext there is that he was molesting kids in front of other kids. Yeah. Uh, and that the the killer interpreted that as a way of, you know, dominate not only extra domination, but establishing your power by turning the abuse into a performance. Yeah. And so that is, I would guess that that is something that he is mirroring from the abuser. And again, we can't have confirmation. This didn't really happen. But, you know, yeah. uh, I would suggest that that is probably what they were going on. And it wouldn't shock me if that was an observation that got cut out of the episode mm -hmm. just for time because it's not an important part of his psychology and like the crimes he commits, but it is something that is consistent that he can't do this, these crimes without an accomplice without, uh, or even if not an accomplice, a witness without an audience. So, yeah, I think there's something to that, that the episode never actually bothers getting into mm -hmm. But yeah, just it's it's a good episode, but it, it's not a great episode, but it's definitely a good episode. It's just it doesn't have the the depth of a lot of the the psychology here. It is a very easy case to profile. And it's one of these situations where because there's no connection between the killer and the victims. The only way to find a link is if you get physical evidence or if somebody turns on them. And yeah. here, just he killed his accomplice. So they got physical evidence and then the girlfriend turned on him. Yeah. Like, there's there's no way to profile your way into solving this crime. And that's why Tony spends so much of the episode so frustrated. Because there's a limit to what his insight can offer in this case. So yeah, just, uh, it's an episode that in addition to everything else, while you're right that it's not the most meaningful and the most dramatic, it does do a good job of demonstrating some of the limits of profiling. Because, yeah, you know, like it, there it's is... a really, you know, it's one of the better Criminal Minds episodes. Yeah, I guess that's what I would say. If Criminal Minds could be an hour and a half long. If Criminal Minds could be an hour and a half long, this would be one of the more interesting episodes of Criminal Minds. Yeah. But fundamentally, uh, the most interesting parts of this episode for us as people watching the whole show. It's, I mean, it's a thrilling enough episode, but the f thing that we find most interesting is Tony dealing with a stalker yeah. and what Carol's flirting with this guy reminds us about her as a person, the brokenness of her as a person and how she and Tony will never work. Yeah. In a way, it, I think it, that's it, the most interesting yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is. Um, and that's exactly it. The, and, but that's, I still think that part of that is because we're coming off of two really, really, really intense episodes. episodes. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's it. It honestly, it's good to have a relief with this episode. Yeah. You know, and I think we've 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 said that even when we do Criminal Minds and stuff. Every now and then, you just need a break. You need one where it's uh, just a it's just a guy and he likes to stab people. You know, and it, you know, it's relatively simple, and we don't have to get into all of this stuff. Yeah. No. So I, anyway, you're absolutely right. So yeah. Um. But solid episode. By no means a, a special episode, but. I don't, and this is a lot of these I've had, you know, decent memories of, not great memories of, but as I'm watching them, I kind of remember what was going on in them. I don't remember the sniper episode at all. 
Like I completely forgot this episode happened. So I am very intrigued to find out what kind of an episode the sniper episode is. Okay. So you have forgotten all of this episode, the whole episode. So don't say a word. No, it's called synchronicity. Okay. So oh. everybody, the next episode is 304 synchronicity and, you know, get your tissues out. Uh, she doesn't get killed or anything, but this is the last Carol Jordan episode. Like, it's not like a situation where they knew she was leaving. She got the opportunity to do spooks after this season of television wrapped, and then she decided to go and do spooks. Oh, and, yeah. yes. And Criminal Minds News. Yes. It, it is. It is starting the uh, Thanksgiving, we American Thanksgiving weekend. So that's third week in November, right? Yep. Or the fourth weekend in November. Oh, yeah. Fourth weekend in November. All right. So last weekend in November. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait! Oh, I'm so excited! This is God. news that I didn't have yesterday. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I, cannot, like, yeah. I cannot wait to find out. I cannot wait to find out what they do. Is it like, is there gonna, like, so there's gonna be a bunch of killers? A different killer every week, but it's all tied into this overarching guy who's put together a, a whole, like, roster of best of serial killers? Yes. I mean, that's absolutely ludicrous, and we're going to tear it apart, but I'm going to love doing it. Yes, and and uh, we're looking forward to having, uh, we are now going to get Paramount. I know. Well, yeah, we're going to have to get the Paramount channel on Prime to be able to watch this. Well, at least Which is fine. Which yeah. is fine. I'm not complaining. No. Dear, like, if I'm paying an extra 12 bucks a month just to watch Criminal Minds. I'll pay 12 bucks a month just to watch Criminal Minds. You hear me, Paramount? As long as you want to keep making Criminal Minds, I'll keep paying for oh. your service. And I'm not the only one. Yes, and Rutherford, Rutherford Falls was cancelled yeah. after its second season. Oh. So they're shopping it around. So maybe Paramount, you can pick this up. Pick up Rutherford Falls. I mean, we're paying for it anyway. We'll happily keep paying. If you don't want to make Criminal Minds, you want to make Rutherford Falls. Will Rutherford Falls, uh, just FYI, if you haven't been watching Rutherford Falls, imagine if Parks and Recreation was a good TV show. <laughs> now that's mean. If Parks and Recreation is a good TV show. But it's like, sorry, if it was like less um, silly and absurd and was just like, a comedy that was based on real things and not like this bizarre fantasy land. Cause let's face it. Like it was a spinoff of the office, but the office is much more grounded. Yeah. Like, um, uh, what do you call it? parks and recreation is much more set in a bizarre heightened 30 rock fantasy land type of thing, even though they don't do cutaways. Right. It is much more of a fantastical, bizarre, strange show in the, the Green Acres new heart uh, vein of this is a crazy place. Uh, you know, this is a crazy yeah. fantasy town. And that's why, by the way, the show didn't get good until Adam Scott joined the cast and you had a character who could be surprised by what a bizarre, fantastical town this was. Yes. You know, uh, the first season, it's all just people from there. It's all crazy people. And there's a normal guy, but he's a normal guy from there. So it doesn't really make sense. Well, it's like, how are you so normal when you live in this insane town? And so he yes, didn't really gel with not, the show. And that insanity is just normal for him. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you needed the Adam Scott character to come in and the Rob Lowe character to come in and react to how bizarre this place is to really make it start to pop. Whereas Rutherford Falls, because it's not that crazy... Like there's there's funny stuff and there's weird stuff that happens in the town and they've got small town quirkiness. 
all of the people are believably from there and their concerns there. They all feel like real people, even as it's a comedy, even as well, it's and there are real, you know, comedy. Yeah. Well, real stakes and real concerns. There are and real it, stakes and real concerns in this and uh, in Rutherford Falls while still giving you a pleasant yeah. sort of um, idea. So I'm hoping that somebody, because I really, really it's, it's really like, good. I mean, yeah. it is really good. So, so I don't yeah. know I mean, why. I don't know why we ended up talking about. Well, no, I know why we're talking about. Because we did it. So yes, because we did it. Yeah, because tomorrow people are going to hear. No, tomorrow to us. Last week for them, they'll already yeah. know. They'll have already heard the Sunday episode. But no, yeah. it came up. Yeah, because we had uh, Parks and Recreation was on the best TV shows of all time list. We're like, and Rutherford Falls isn't. Like, yeah, come on, guys. Come on. Oh, um. By the way, I said I was going to say something. Oh, this is a perfect place to since we're doing this. Yeah. So, um. The guy, uh, the guy who did the list for Rolling Stone, I bought his book about the greatest hundred TV shows of all time. Apparently, it's a remake of a book he did with Matt Zoller Zeiss um, a couple of years ago of the best TV shows of all time. And Wise Guy was on that list, but wasn't on this list. So either Matt Zoller Zeiss was the one who liked Wise Guy or he thought Wise Guy deserved to have been bumped off the list. I think that's a crazy idea. If you're going to put it on a list, uh, it should stay on that list and it should be much higher in the list than either of them put it. But um, I guess we can assume that Matt Solar Sice was the guy who was more fond of Wise Guy and this guy wasn't as fond of Wise Guy. So we can assume that's what was going on there. It's quite clearly. Yeah, because if this you don't guy under, is like, wrong. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this guy is 100% wrong. Fun fact, uh, they paired it with another show that was a CBS um uh, you know, continuing drama that didn't last. Do you remember Easy Streets? Yes, I do. Yeah, we watched all like eight episodes of it. Yep. One of the best network shows of all time. Uh, definitely deserves to be, you know, named at the same kind of breath oh, yes. of I remember. doing something as interesting yeah. as uh, as Wise Guy had done. It's fascinating because it was um, Ken, uh, oh, you know, from 30-something. I'm blanking on his name. The actor from 30. Oh, yeah. Was the, okay, cop, yes. was the cop. And uh -huh. the bad guy was um, was Joe Pantoliano playing Jimmy Murtha, a character I still remember because he was so incredible in the show. Like one of the great performances is Joe Pantoliano in Easy Streets. Like he's so good. And um, uh, Jason Gedrick was the guy who just got out of jail and he gets blackmailed into blackmailed by the cops into infiltrating Jimmy's organization. Because they're going to destroy his family. The cops are going to destroy his family if they don't. And Jimmy is much more sympathetic than the cops. And it's like clearly cribbing from Wise Guy. But mm. it managed to be its own thing. Mm. And it could have been one of the great shows. Yeah. But And do you want to hear like the thing that's so shattering? What? So it gets cancelled because no one wants to watch it. Uh... Uh, because no one wants to watch this. And I mean, I remember what Joe Pantoliano said. It's like, who wants to come home at the end of like a work week and just be punched in the stomach over and over again by a TV show? <laughs> us. <laughs> and it, well, it's us. But okay. So it got canceled because nobody wants to watch that on network television, which at the time was true. And I think is still to a degree true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can still tell you the entire plot of like most of the plot of the first episode or two of it, Easy Streets. It, it, it was such a good show. But anyway, so they where did they go with it? They're like, this show deserves to continue. So they went to HBO with it. And HBO loved it. And they were like, we ought to do this show. But we, we're debating whether we want to bring back a show 
this show, like we want to bring back a show or whether we want to create a sh another show. And we're talking to somebody about maybe creating a show like this. And I think you can see where this story is oh, going. God, not Sopranos. Yes, it was the Sopranos. Yep. The Sopranos is why we didn't get more easy streets. Which makes me even angrier at the Sopranos. At the Sopranos. You will have already listened to my take on the Sopranos. Yeah. I do not think that. It I mean, I guess it could belong in that one 100, but it is not number one. It's not number one and it doesn't deserve to be above wise guys. So there you go. Huh. All right. Okay. So that's our feelings about the Sopranos. And if you can find easy streets, you know, if it's on YouTube or something, you're not going to get an ending and it's going to be frustrating when it gets cut off for you, but it sure as hell is worth watching. We've done other shows that only get eight and you want to. Well, after we finish this, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do profit. Yeah. The, the spiritual successor to wise guy. And just, just remember just, unsub and. Oh, unsub. And then the, uh, and the one with the inside in the inside. Yeah. We've, we've, we've encouraged you to watch plenty of shows that did not get their due, but yeah, and easy streets. It's, it's honestly kind of shameful of us that we haven't brought up easy streets yet because of how good easy streets was. Well, it's like, technically, technically it is not really in our bailiwick and it mm -hmm. doesn't show up anywhere else. Like no. I, it, it, it doesn't get talked weird. about ever. Yeah, and I mean, yes, and Jason Gedrick, I I really liked, and I still remember we were upset when it didn't go on because well, he was just off but of having done the first season of Murder One, like so. Jason Gedrick was having his comeback, and this was going to be such a good show for him. Yeah, and it just it didn't go. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. It happens. It's tragic, but it happens. Yeah, because he had just had his comeback as the star of the first season of Murder One, and like he gets he gets out of jail at the end of the first season of Murder One, so he's obviously not going to be back next year. You know, yeah. he's obviously not going to be. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to jail. His case is over. They're going to do a new case next year, and they did. Uh, and well, that's another conversation about the subsequent seasons of Murder okay. One uh, <laughs> we're, that we're not getting into today. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds.com. We would love to hear from you. I could sit here all day talking about Easy Streets and Murder One. Uh, so I'm not going to. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We're going to see you back here next week for more Wire in the Blood. And we're going to be doing our, you know, Criminal Minds. Um, what's the subtitle? Synchronicity. No, the oh. subtitle of the season of Criminal Minds. Like, it's not Criminal Minds The Return or something, is it? No, I don't know what it's going to be called. I still don't know what it's going to be called. It's just... Well, so I'll much. tell you this one, little behind-the-scenes thing. There's a good chance that, like, uh, if it's not just called Criminal Minds, I would love it if they just called it Criminal Minds, but, like, sometimes, for union reasons, you have to add one of these subtitles at the end of a show... When you bring it back or else it's technically season 16 of a show and that affects how people get paid. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Yes. I was just going to say, I do. I have heard. I didn't pay attention to it. I don't care. But we all, <laughs> that's exactly right. I didn't, I didn't log it into my brain. Yeah. But yes, I did hear. Yes. It does have a title. Yeah. It's and not if you're, return. It's something else. Yeah, and if, so if you're wondering the inside baseball story, yeah, the inside baseball story is that's a contractual issue.
Yeah, that's you can't just right. call it season 16 of Criminal Minds. Like, we all know it's season 16 of Criminal Minds, but you can't call it that or you have to pay certain people certain amounts of money for certain reasons. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could look at my deadline and I'm sure. And find out, but it's not it's not worth doing right now. And There's going to be plenty of time for us to talk about well, the return of Criminal Minds. You know, sort of seven weeks. Yeah, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're so close. Yep. The crazy part is, like, the... Like, the game I'm most excited about for this whole year is coming out, like, four days before there's new Criminal Minds. I am, you know, I am, I, I by the way, uh, I'm going to be talking about it here. You know, I'm going to, it's going to come up in conversation. I'm very excited about The Devil in Me. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite developers are putting out a new interactive movie. It's, it's about, it's about a serial, uh, it's about a serial killer. It's, you know, set around H.H. Holmes. It's set in Chicago. It's about people making a documentary about H.H. Holmes and then an H.H. Holmes themes killer traps them in a hotel. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to play this thing. So expect to hear more about it here as we get closer. But the kicker is three days, three days after it. There's new episodes of Criminal Minds. <laughs> like this couldn't be better for me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> if only I didn't have a day job and I could just spend all day making videos about this. But no, I do have a day job. But yeah. you do have a day job. So the, don't expect it. So I'm saying expect to be vent about hearing me vent about it a lot here because I can't just spend all day making videos about this over the Hidden Object Crew <laughs> channel. Uh, <laughs> Haven't you already done the sign off? <laughs> I, no, I, I'm just, I'm so excited. Like the, the world of fiction is so exciting for me right now. It's going to be incredible. All right. So we'll see you back here next week. But until then, <laughs> au revoir. And have a good weekend. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.